welcome to Masters of Divinity, episode 60, I might add. I am here with Father Chuck. What's up? And uh, Matt is I with us at the moment. Uh, he is still uh, 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 going through cop things. <laughs> That's he's going he's he's going through his cop spurts before he becomes a real one, which apparently involves like them surprising him with tests and stuff. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, so maybe he'll join us tonight. Maybe he won't. We'll see. We'll just go with it, and uh, he joins in. Great. Because I want to know his opinion on some Paul Simon songs. <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to us this month, you'll know that this is the third installment of our Music Mayhem episode. Uh, on this episode, Chuck has chosen for us Paul Simon's Graceland. That's right. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to say something really quick. Uh, before we get down to business, um, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. <laughs> yes. Um, I would love to talk about this movie this month because I think if there's any movie that d- deserves to be talked about during Music Mayhem, uh, it's this movie. Agreed. Because uh, it's it's so musically. Oh yeah, there's yeah yeah. <laughs> it's it's a musically charged ep- uh, uh, movie. And also, it was really frigging good. Yes. Um, I'm back from my trip to Florida. And while I was in Florida for uh, four four days, five days, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 three times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Needless to say, I loved it. And Chuck, I'm going to say something. Uh, Feel free to disagree with me or not. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's Mad Max Fury Road good. You agree? Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Movie's fantastic. It is. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out right away. See it while it's still in theaters because it's so much fun in theaters. And you know what? Honestly, see in 3D. The 3D is really good. Yeah, dude. I, like, there's, I, yeah. There are some sequences in that movie that I can't imagine how they would play out not in 3D. Right. Um, there's some parts that just feels like a, like, <laughs> like a, uh, uh, like a laser show at like a, um, a planetarium or something. You know, like back in the 70s, they used to be pretty popular. Right, right. No, so, it's so good. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. And the music is incredible. I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. Um, I was battling back and forth between the album we were listening to and the soundtrack from the movie this past week. Uh, Paul Simon 1, of course. <clears throat> I've got homework, after all. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about this album, um, Chuck. Uh, first off, let me ask you, why did you choose, I know we talked about it some in the last episode, um, why did you choose Paul Simon's Graceland for this installment of Music Man? So, I'll give a little story that I didn't give last episode, um, was... I really have had a very soft spot in my heart for the, 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 the huge single that came off of that album, which is You Can Call Me Al. And I had never known the context of the album that it came from or anything. I just knew the song. I liked the song, and I was going to download the song. And, um, and that's when I came across the album, and I started hearing about you know how it was a great album and all this stuff. And this has been around the time where I've been trying to kind of expand a little bit of my own musical horizons and revisit some stuff from the eighties that I wouldn't normally have listened to. Um, one band that I've been, that I've been trying to 
really get into is is Talking Heads. And their album, Remain in Light, um, which has um, Once in a Lifetime, which is a great song of theirs, um, is is considered one of these albums that um, really began to experiment with world beats and like musical rhythms and concepts from other from other from areas outside of of the United States. It's like, you know, our Western musical idioms, particularly from like Latin America and Africa. And so I really like that album. I, and so I've been kind of interested in a lot of that stuff. And that's what um, that's what Graceland is famously about. And I, and I, so I, and I realized I had never, I realized how I, reading about Graceland, I realized how influential an album was, and, but I'd never really listened to it beyond you can call me out. So I just decided I'm going to download the whole thing. So I just, I, I purchased the whole album. Um, and I fell in love with it instantly. Yeah. Um, as I did mention last episode, it has been on constant play in my car for the past four or five months. I know Kana is probably sick of it. Oh my gosh. Um, but I, so I don't listen to it when, when she's in the car. Um, but it's become like a go-to thing to listen to. Um, for me, I, I'm just blown away by it. Yeah. And, um, and it was while well, playing, I was like, I just have to talk about it because one, it was like something I was, I realized with both of you last week when I mentioned it, which is that chances are neither of you had ever listened to it before. No, never. I mean, and, and I've, I've heard the song call me out like. Every once in a while, like a party or something, but not, you know. Right. I've never sat down to listen to any of this. Any of these and songs. so, like, to realize, like, one, what what a major thing the album was when you understand the history. And we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it just, to me, doesn't get, it doesn't seem to get attention from people the way that, say, like, the Beatles do. Right. And I think this album had at least as big an effect on music as anything the Beatles put out, if maybe if maybe not more so. And it, so that's part of the reason why I picked it, because I want to talk about it. I listened to the album, and um, I did – at first <laughs> – at first I was not enjoying myself, because this is totally <laughs> not in my wheelhouse at all. <laughs> like, if I was listening – I mean, even just when it comes to, like, 80s music – Still no, <laughs> like, I, and I love me some eighties, you know that. Um, but and oh God, even Paul Simon, like, this is even the kind of the Paul Simon stuff I would listen to. Uh, but as I kind of just like let it soak in, once um, I'm a singer, Lady Smith Black Mombazo. Uh huh. Once Lady Smith Black Mombazo starts kicking in, it like it takes you to another planet. <laughs> like there's something about it that really is uh intoxicating oh yeah um, um and it's i i never would have guessed that like i would actually sit down with this thing with this album and like actually just kind of get uh as enwrapped as i was so i was very surprised chuck and uh, and uh i'm actually glad really glad you chose it um what about the album you know you said it's been playing in concert rotation in your car for five months what about it specifically uh, blows you away. Oh, that's that's kind of hard to pinpoint. I mean, part of it to me is that every single song on the album could be a single. Uh huh. Um, and to me, it feels like there's not a single moment on the album that's wasted. It feels like there's no there's no filler right. in the oh, album. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just so different. Like it's just a different. 
like this past like this past couple of years, I've I've come across like a few things musically that like once I've listened to it, I'm like it's hard for me to go and back to then li- listen to some other stuff that I've grown up with because it sounds so simplistic. Like for instance, Prince. Prince is not someone that I spent a whole lot of time listening to growing up. Right. Um, I got interested in Prince the past couple of years, and then of course he died, and it really ramped up some interest. So I was I was totally like a bandwagoner with Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I I I I I purchased his um, Sign of the Times. And that was on my rotation for a while. It was just like, man, why did I not pay more attention to Prince? It's just so different from everything else that I've been listening to and just so rich and full. And I feel a similar feeling about what Paul Simon's doing. It's just so different. Like he's actually trying to do something. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to say that he's trying to do something different. He's introducing us in, in the West to something that's very different. Right. And and so that that sense of like being exposed to something just different is what gets me. And plus like, I mean, from the get go, like my, I'll just come right out and say that my, I think my favorite song on the album is boy in the bubble. The very first song on the album. That's really good. I have that on my list of favorites on here. And I just love how, like from the get go, like a song with an, an an accordion riff Mm -hmm. (laughs) is like, okay, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, And then on top of that, it's lyrically. I mean, the lyrics, he lyrically, he's a, I mean, it's possible. It's a poet. Um, very poetic lyrics and, you know, so he's, he's got something to say as well as making, um, different strides musically and just really expanding. And so it's just, I, it just, it's, it, it, I'm just, it's intoxicating and I just can't stop listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what are some of your, uh, I know you said, um, the boy in the bubble is a favorite of yours. Uh, do you, are there any other ones that specifically stick out to you individually in this in the in the album? Um, I mean, you can call me Al is an absolute great song. Can I ask you something about that song? Um, yeah, I, did, I didn't do any research. I didn't do a whole lot of research on this. Um, what does what is that song about? Because <laughs> I don't understand it. Like I had the lyrics in, and I, I listened to it a few times and read the lyrics. And I still like. I don't really. I don't get it. It's uh, uh, it's either an ex wife of his. Or a or a female friend of his. Okay. I, I'd have to look that up. But when they would when they would go to parties, mm-hmm. they would call each other nicknames like Betty and um, Al. Okay, as a joke. And so he just wrote a song about that experience of like hanging around all these like whole, like you know these socialite parties and him and this friend just like running around like making up names for each other and. All right. Like just sort of coping because I mean, you know, Paul Simon's a an artist type who's now suddenly like hanging out with the upper crust of New York and other places. So is that what the song is about? It's about an artist hanging out with socialites now, like because I mean, I it's it's hard for me to kind of derive meaning from these lyrics because they're really they really are like you said, he's no, a poet, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like yeah, because I mean, the story. It, it, the idea is being lost. I mean, that's sort of part of what's going on. I mean, like because the first, you know, the first. The the first verse yeah. is you know about he talks about you know he's gaining weight because he's soft in the middle uh-huh. and he's you know it's like that change of you know getting into life of that kind of middle age life and things are changing for him as he's getting older. The second verse is um, that's the one that's a um, man walks down the street. He says, "Why am I short of attention?" Yeah, I got a short little span of attention. Um, and that's like, yeah, I was talking about like just that's that's another kind of aging. I mean, a lot of the thing is this, is this this album deals with getting older. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, and then the final verse is um, 
the final verse is about a guy being lost in another country. And, um, and I think that's sort of, I think it's a partly autobiographical from when he was in South Africa. Okay. Um, and, um, but yeah, he's, I mean, his characters are kind of fictionalized in all the songs, but there's sort of a thing going on story-wise. But like, interestingly enough, that's the only song on the record that was completely recorded in the United States. Hmm. Um, oh, the rest were recorded in South Africa, right? Yeah, they were either partially recorded in South Africa or he brought musicians over and like they worked on some stuff from South Africa, but then recorded it here. Um, he, I mean, he used it, he used South African um, um, artists as his band, but this was the only song that was written and composed and everything in the United States. It didn't begin life in South Africa and then come over here. Okay. Um, but yeah. Did you watch the video by any chance? Cause the video is famous with Chevy chase. I never got around to watching the video, but oh, okay. I definitely know of it. Um, <laughs> one thing I noticed though, Chuck is you, you, you posted about this song, uh, on Instagram and it's been our, our most, uh, well-received post on Instagram. <laughs> oh, has it really? I haven't checked. Like I posted, but I haven't I've checked an update. Let me look at that. Real Last quick. time I checked, it says it is performing 95% better than recent posts or something. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. Cause I posted it. Oh, did I post it yesterday or today? When did I, it was yesterday. I posted I it. It was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I got a few. Yeah. See, this goes. I'm in some, uh, all right, cool. Paul Simon, man. Yeah, dude. Um, so you were saying in the last, uh, episode about, um, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister, who said, "I was wrong about that. It wasn't D. Snyder. Oh. It was it was Joe Strummer. Joe Strummer from yeah. Oh yeah, Joe <laughs> Strummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you were saying that that he had said that uh, rock music should be young, uh, except for Paul Simon, because right. he has the ability to kind of like sing really well about or perform really well about like being in the moment." Do I have it right? Like, I'm yeah, he said that. He said that. Yeah, Joe Strummer said that. Um, that um, that he he had a hard time listening to rock music. That he says like, sort of rock music is be made by adolescents, except for Paul Simon, because Paul Simon sings about his own age, right? Where he's at. He's not trying to be young. He's acknowledging where he's at, right? And that's what this song is, right? You can, for, for you can call me Al. But yeah, I mean, the whole album is about that. I mean, it, it's about getting older and dealing with different things. I mean, Paul Simon's career was tanking. At the, before this thing came out, um, right. he had come out with, um, was it heart and bone? I think is what it was called. Um, and the album did not do well. Um, his marriage to Carrie Fisher is falling apart. Um, they got divorced in 84, but then they kind of dated for a while afterwards. So like he's, they're still kind of having a relationship during the writing process of this song, right. uh, during the writing process of this album. And, but he's, yeah, he's just sort of thinking that maybe he's washed up or whatever. And and so what was kind of helping him get through it was someone had given him a cassette tape of um, South African, like, street music, just sort of like town music. And so he would play that in his car over and over, and he would make up lyrics to all of it. And he had this idea of, like, well, maybe I should just go to Africa and meet these guys hmm. and see what we can do. Um and of course, this is huge because this is in the midst of apartheid, and it's right. in the midst of when the United Nations had instituted what they called the cultural boycott, so that like 
artists are not performing concerts in South Africa. Um, in the surfing world, this was huge. There were, there were no surfing competitions taking place in South Africa. I mean, like the whole world for like, from like the late seventies and into the eighties are just like completely trying to cut off South Africa as a like sort of a global punishment for, for, for the appetite system. And so now like, so Paul Simon goes to South Africa. Apparently he's like given like, they 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 give him like a lucrative offer to perform a concert while he's there. He says no, but he meets with all these South African artists, and most of them are black. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does some recording with them and whatnot. But he brings that stuff back with him to the United States and begins work on this new album. And this sends off this whole thing where like people are claiming that he's violated the the cultural boycott, that he's been super naive in his behaviors here, but he's doing something wrong. But his whole thing during this is that is that artists are the ones who always get screwed that's what he says that he didn't he didn't care about dealing with the government he didn't care he's like i didn't talk to the d he's like i didn't talk to the anc i didn't talk to desmond tutu i didn't talk to any of these people i just went he says because when there's radical shifts of power whether it's to the right or to the left the artists are the or he says, the guys with the guitars are the ones who always get screwed mm-hmm. and so he wanted to get there he wanted to work with these people and help you know, get their what they're doing out there and exposed to um, the wider world because he thought what they were doing was really important. And and so any any role that he could play to help expose, you know, their what they're doing to the wider world, he wanted to do. And there are some people who think that he even had a role in helping end apartheid quicker. Yeah, you mentioned that last week that yeah. uh, this album could have had played that kind of role. Um, do you think it's just because uh, he was kind of exposing the world to their culture and stuff, or, or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's been a controversial thing. One of the um, there's someone I think it might even might have even been one of the artists who recorded with him has said that oh it took an is it, oh it took another white man for white people to notice us, hmm. um, but which I, I feel is such a frustrating thing because it's like. Like who? Like how else would people have learned about South African music at this time period? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Paul Simon is you know a, a well-respected musician. I mean, yeah, his career is kind of in the toilet at that point, but he's still like, you know, mm-hmm. he's still got kind of a name for himself. And so for him to like work with these people, it brings a lot of exposure. I mean, in particular, Lady Smith Black Mombazo has benefited hugely from this album, right? Because no one outside of South Africa had heard of them, yeah, until. Graceland, and they've been on tour like ever since. And I've uh, I've actually seen them live once. That's awesome, dude! I'd love to see them. Like, <laughs> you know that they're they're I read I've read about them. They're um the guy's like their choir director. Mm-hmm. He like he had a dream, and like in his dream he heard a choir making these sort of vocal harmonies, and so he decided to like make it happen in real life. Yeah, um, it was it's really they're it's really impressive, man. It's really beautiful. Uh, they they came to West Palm when we were when we were in college. Oh man, I wish I had known that. I would have gone. <laughs> and they they performed uh, on Clematis, that where they where the library amphitheater used to be. Oh neat. Yeah, there's a picture of me with uh, it was me and Maria and and Ben Friday. What's <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, China? Yeah, it was a little Team China reunion. Um, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me. Like, I I think that's really cool. Like, I mean, I think it's possible that 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 could have happened, that he could have been 
partly responsible for it or had a hand in it. Um, you know, it, and, 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 you know, I, I, I read a little bit about the album. I read the part of the Wikipedia entry. Um, and it kind of reminded me of like, um, Sean Penn, who, you know, he's a famous actor. Um, uh, but when Katrina hit and, uh, you know, New Orleans was sinking, like literally sinking, uh, he was out there like, you know, trying to help people, you know, helping people onto, onto like a boat and getting them to safety and stuff. And also helping with like repairs and people ask him like, you're just an actor. Why are you doing this stuff? He's like, look, man, Hey, you know, it's, it's like a tool belt. I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a tool for this, for making movies. And I got a tool for, for helping people. You know, I just happen to have the privilege to be able to use both when I, when I want to. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Um, I want to talk some more about some of the other songs on here. Uh, uh, one that really stuck out to me, Chuck, was Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Yes. That is so, like, meditative. <laughs> like, Oh, because, totally. Because he, he repeats those words so many times. Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, like, over and over and over again. It's like... It's so it's so calming. <laughs> well, and the thing is, he says um, he says over and over in that song as well. He says, um, "Everybody knows what I am talking about." And like, no, Paul, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that that's oh, that's so true. And I mean, that's what I was wondering. Like, is is he trying to? I mean, is he talking about like the diamond trade in Africa? Like, is that supposed to be? Is he alluding to that? Or oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I thought it was I thought it was just sort of an idea that like here's the I I, I thought the song is is a story of like a sort of a poor guy who's managed to score a date with a wealthy woman. Oh. And like she's so wealthy that she can wear diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Like oh, that's probably yeah. Um but I never thought about like diamond trade, like <laughs> was that a thing like back then? Was that a could thing? that be like smuggling diamonds? Maybe, maybe he's uh... now. I'm now. I'm like really intrigued. <laughs> it's like a, it's a song about blood diamonds. Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing yeah. is, there are there are some subtle political things. But even he said in interviews, he's like, I don't do political. Yeah. Like that's just not. He's not a really good political songwriter. Um, and that's another thing that I thought was interesting about this album is that, like, he touches on it a little bit in Boy in the Bubble. Um, in the opening lyric, he talks about you know soldiers on the side of the road and basically you know a bomb in a baby carriage you know, exploding. Right. Um, but then he like, um, but then he launches into a great line. Um, the great bit of like, um, these are the days of miracle and wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there, and he said that for him, it's, 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 that's how he sees the world as sort of this like mix between like, sort of like hope and like cynicism. And so like that, he says that song is like a perfect encapsulation of his worldview. Uh, there's sort of a kind of juxtaposition between like, like the horrors in the world, but also he's, he's still saying these are days of miracle and wonder. It's kind of like, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of like him in like South Africa and what he's witnessing. And it's like in South Africa during apartheid, it's like this horrible, you know, oppression happening. But it's like, it's sort of also like that cliche saying it's, um, it's darkest just before dawn. Right. So like I kind of felt like he was sort of saying like yeah there's all these horrible things happening but like that just means it's going to get better. I don't know. I, yeah, actually I I maybe I'll put this on the website. I did I I I preached a sermon where I used this song as a a basis for a sermon not too long ago. Oh really? Yeah. What was it about? 
Um, it was right after um, it was right after the shooting at the Fort Lauderdale airport. Oh, really? It was like that Sunday. It was like I was trying to crack a sermon around that time, and then I was walking to my office. Actually, I was walking. I think I was walking to my office to record this episode, to record an episode of the show, yeah. and I was um, listening to I was listening to this album, and um, and that song came on, and those lyrics hit me, and I was like, oh yeah, that's like kind of like, you know, the idea of these are these are days of miracle and wonder in the midst of all this like tragedy and turmoil and stuff, and so so yeah, so I preach a sermon where I where I use that as sort of the basis of like, even though it's you know, even though it's awful, sometimes yeah. it's also an amazing world that we live in and then, you know, God's doing awesome things and, you know, and, you know, and same kind of thing. Like it's, like you said, darkest for the dawn, you know, it's just the grace in all of this is that, you know, that it'll all be undone someday. Right. right. So, um, yeah. what do you think about the, uh, the title track Graceland? Great song. Um, I, I think it's a very theological song. Um, it, it, it's played, that, that song plays on a lot of different levels because one is like it captures the whole theme of the album because he's talking about going to Graceland, which is back to the heart of like to the heart of like rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting to me as I've thought about that is how the album does a lot of that because rock and roll has its roots in rhythm and blues, mm-hmm. which has its roots in um, in in um, spiritual music, uh, yeah, oh my so African slaves brought over. So like, so he's gone to Africa and he's brought, you know, the music's coming. So it's sort of tracing that development wow. a little bit. I mean, it's South Africa rather than 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 um, West Africa, which is where the slave trade was. But right. still, it's like kind of got that idea. So well, that that's really brilliant. <laughs> yeah, um, and the other the other piece for me is because there's that line where he talks about is. Um, um, I have reason to believe that we will all be received in Graceland. That to me is that's about heaven, mm-hmm. and that in the end, you know, because heaven would be the land of grace, and grace would mean that we're all received there. Yeah, I think it, I think it preaches. I think it's a good. I think it's a great song. Yeah, uh, there were some some lyrics that kind of stuck out to me. Like, uh, there's a girl in New York City who calls herself the Human Trampoline. Yeah, when you first hear that, you're like, Ooh, "That's kind of." Um, what is it? Uh, sometimes when I'm falling, flying, or tumbling in turmoil, I say, "Oh, so this is what she means." Yeah. So. All tumbling in the Graceland. She's bouncing. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. That's. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that one too. Um. The ones I like the most, if I can just kind of list them off, Chuck, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, I liked The Boy in the Bubble and Graceland. And I Know What I Know. Okay, so the first three songs. Is it the first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I he hooked me, man. <laughs> um, then there's Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Um, you can call me Al. Uh, homeless. That's just, that that was that was a great song because that's just uh was was that is that just Lady Smith uh, Black Mambazo doing that? 
Yeah, the only time that he shows up is the very like last minute of the song. Oh, sorry, I hit my mic. When he shows up at the very last minute of the song, when they do that kind of like, um, um, where it's like e uh, e uh, e. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a little lyrical part there. But yeah, that that song's and that to me is such a cool move on Paul Simon's part that he was like, what they're doing is so beautiful that I just need to take a back seat. Yeah. I can imagine, like, this would be such an awesome concert. <laughs> like, this would be, like, a really fun concert to see. Yeah, he, uh, he for the 25th anniversary, he did, a, he did a live performance of the whole album. Really? Yeah, in, 2000, in 2016. So, yeah, just a couple years ago, whatever. That would be cool to see. Uh, but, yeah, just some of these lyrics. Or the ones 2014, that, whatever, yeah. Uh, the ones that are in, in, in English. Uh, homeless, homeless, moonlight sleeping on a midnight lake. It's a strong wind destroyer home. Many dead tonight. It could be you. It's kind of like a harrowing song, <laughs> but it's like really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was really impressed by that one. That was really cool. And then uh, all around the world or the myth of fingerprints. Yes. Now, I'll tell you, JP, I, I, I that song, which is the very last song on the album and the one before it, um, um, that was your mother. Okay. The, so there's that was your mother, and then there was um, all around the world. Okay. Right. That was called yeah, all around the world, um, or the myth of fingerprints. I used to when I first listened to it, I thought those were the weakest songs on the album. Oh really? But then, but then I listened to them again just a few days ago because you know I'm listening to the album a lot, and especially for this podcast, and I realized like I was listening to my old. It, I had listened to it first for the most part in my old car, my old Saturn um, SUV and the speakers were shot on it. So like I can never really listen to stuff too loud. So I'm like in my new car, which has a really nice sound system. So I was listening to it really loud and I was like, Oh, this song's actually really good. Like all around the world is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a, that's a controversial song. Um, There's some controversy in that one because he did that with Los Lobos and they claim that he straight stole the song from them. Really? That they recorded the thing and he just slapped he just slapped his name on it and never gave them proper credit. They but like the story's very interesting, but I don't I don't think there's much merit to it. I think that hmm. they just because apparently they didn't really say much until the album started doing really well. Right. But of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anything about like uh, what's the, what the song is about? Like it's. Uh... I don't know. It's just one. Of, it's another one of those songs right? <laughs> I can really, uh, I don't know, decipher. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's kind of open to interpretation. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing about it, man. You listen to stuff over and over, and you start kind of piecing together things. But like, yeah, I mean, it's like an yeah. old talk show host living out in the middle of the jungle. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> I really like um, just as we're talking about songs and lyrics. The one right before that, um, that was your mother. Yeah. That's a song. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the sort of Zataran sound to it, but um, I I've come around on the song a lot. A lot. But what I love is it's got to me. It's got a great, a great honest lyric, and that is um, set of lyrics because that's where it's talking about having kids, and it says, mm-hmm. um, he says something to the effect of like, I want you to know that I love you but you are the burden of my generation. Hmm. And I think that's really great because, you know, the, the sixties, you know, these people were supposed to be young forever. Yeah. 
And he's like, oh, no, we have kids. Like, we're getting old and we have kids and we can't, you know, how do you stay young and rebellious when you have kids that you have to be a parent to? And, you know, it's like, you know, you know, the sexual revolution kind of led to lots of kids. Um, and so the idea that, yeah, that you are the burden of my generation. Like, I just think that's a really honest lyric. That's so crazy because that's so like, like, of course you would say that to Generation X. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that that kind of became their identity. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Yeah, because that's sort of like I mean that's like Alex P. Keaton, right? I mean like that's yeah. that's Family Ties. I mean that's yeah, <laughs> that's my song. Oh, I was also curious about uh, I didn't save it, so I don't have the lyrics up. But Crazy Love Volume Two. Yes. Uh, what was was there a Volume One? I don't know. I've never actually looked, but <laughs> I got to tell you, when I listen to that song, I all I can think is that that's got to be about Carrie Fisher. You think? Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, that probably is that woman was crazy i don't want no part of this crazy love <laughs> um i gotta think i think that's gotta be a carrie fisher that's gotta song. be so you dug it i did i liked it a lot um not not really like uh in the same like not in the same way of like let it be or, or dookie like you know i'm not gonna put it on my on my workout playlist uh <laughs> maybe call me out I think I could I could do cardio to that, uh, um, but it's I don't know. It, it's experiencing music in a way that I don't really experience music anymore, which is sort of like in the same way that you would sit down and watch a movie. You know, I, I kind of read up on on its accolades, and I saw that it had won a Grammy for Best Album of the Year, nineteen eighty five. Should have been eighty six or eighty seven. Eighty six, something like that. Um, and I mean, it was an, an enormous hit when it came out, right? Like, yeah, almost massive. Yeah. And it's so weird. I just can't, it's his best. It's like his best album. Like it's his like highest ranked best selling yeah. album of his entire career. Yeah. And um, like, yeah. I don't know too many people who talk about it. <laughs> no, we don't because I feel like, I don't want to say it's a, it's not exactly like a concept album, right? Like you wouldn't really call it that. Would you? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a concept album. Uh, but at the same time, like, you really need to listen to the album to, like, get it. Right? Don't you think? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, it's not... I don't know if I can, like... I feel like it would lose its luster if it got lost in one of our playlists, you know, that we have in our, in our aggregated music society that we have now. Like, it's not meant for that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I think. I think... I think you can call me Al stands apart enough to where you could like listen to that song on its own. Right. And be all right. But yeah, like, but like homeless. Yeah. Like that's just, yeah, that kind of like, it, it's part of the whole. Right. And I don't know. It kind of made me like appreciate, I think I, that made me appreciate it so much is that it sort of demanded my attention. Um, and that listening to it all the way through, I felt very rewarded by that. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I, it kind of makes me sad because that's just not how we listen to music anymore. Um, yeah. But um, no, I I really liked it, and I really love I really love the ladies with uh, black Mombazo parts. Um, and uh, yeah, I was surprised, Chuck. I was because when I when I first started it, you know, I, I didn't like. I was just kind of like flipping through it when I was on the plane or on the way over here from Florida. I was like, oh, God, this is like, 
I'm like imagining <laughs> baby boomers and ponytails, like, oh, check it out. This is great. Like, you know, dancing at parties and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, I got to listen to one of those albums. Jeez. Oh, uh, but then I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now it, what's, what, what is interesting is that the band Vampire Weekend. Yeah has basically made their whole career out of trying to sound like this album. Really? I, 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 promise me, listen, like when you're done here, yeah. listen to, I know what I know. Yeah. And then listen to just about anything on vampire weekend, self-titled album. Uh, oh, you know what I just realized? Um, I didn't do the extra credit. I didn't listen to Jenny Lewis's Voyager. Oh, that's all right. Oh, dang. That's all right. <laughs> You get an A for this one. I know. Um, but, I mean, we can always talk about Jenny Lewis in another episode if we need to, because that album's great, too. Yeah. Um, but, no, I just, I, 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 I'm glad you liked it, JP, because, like, I wasn't, like, you've been on Radio Silence pretty much about it. So I was like, oh, God, they may hate <laughs> this. And this may be, like, an episode where I'm just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, I mean, I, I was, I was, yeah. But, yeah, it, it surprised me. I really liked it. Um, but it's, um. And, and, and here's the thing. If that album, this is the thing I've been trying to kind of wrap my head around. If that album had ever come out, mm-hmm. the world would never know about Lady Smith Black Mombazo. Yeah. Lady Smith Black Mombazo made The Lion King the movie that it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we wouldn't have had The Lion King and all of the cultural stuff to come out of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. This album is super important. And. Yes. And what I also appreciate about it is like, okay, so the Beatles, right? So the Beatles in the 60s, they did some innovative stuff. But you know what they did? They did what every white European Westerner has ever done when they're trying to like look for, you know, to shake things up. They went to India. They went to India and they got some Indian stuff and they got, you know, Eastern mysticism going. It's what white guys have been doing for centuries. (laughs) Paul Simon goes to Africa. He goes to like where we we all come from. Um, And... Comes back with something really radically, I think, radically new. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, what's interesting is listening to it and how much of it sounds like it could stand along various, alongside various musical forms that we hear in America. Um, like you know, like more like you know, like you know. There's some of the songs that to me sound like I could have heard, I could hear, booming out of the, um, like out of the bodegas and stuff, driving along Dixie Highway in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know. Um, it's just, you know, it's 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 got kind of a world music feel to it. Mm-hmm. And world music, is, world music is, is definitely not like my genre at all. <laughs> like it was never something I ever sought out. It just world music, it was always kind of tied in with like new age music. You know what I mean? Like John Tesh. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I get you, man. I, I yeah. no, I totally understand. And like anytime I've tried to listen to world music, it's been like, uh, like I sort of feel like like. Those white, those white baby boomers who wear like the shikis and stuff, like, <laughs> you know, like I just sort of feel like that's their music. I just, I just match like dudes with ponytails, like, and like yeah. white, white pants, like, but like bald with the ponytail, yeah, <laughs> like bald up top with the ponytail, yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah. that, I mean, maybe that's why, like, I guess that's why I had so much apprehension about it was because maybe all of those other bands who were trying to be like incorporate world music they were trying to like do what he was doing yeah because i mean i think like because af- after him it changes for so many people like after this album because like 
like the two other like the, the two other albums that are kind of considered as being like a big having serving a major role in introducing the world to um to world music is um peter gabriel's so okay um which is which has sledgehammer and um in your eyes you know from um um say anything the one song that he plays and he holds uh, the boom yeah, box yeah, 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 yeah. it's a great song. Wonderful song um and um um and then um talking heads remain in light um but those two albums for the most part are like like I, I I love Talking Heads, but like I most of Remain in Light, I just it, it it's a chore for me to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean, they're doing cool stuff, and I get like what they're, but it's just not like easily accessible music. Right. Paul Simon takes this stuff and makes it really accessible. Yeah, and and so like from that point forward, yeah, people are trying to experiment with different stuff. You know, I mean, you know, African rhythms and. Um, you know, bongo drums and stuff, you know I mean? It's like, I mean, I mean, my, my, my favorite band of all time is a band Guster that uses bongos, you know, traditionally as their percussion. Right. And they probably benefited from Paul Simon's Graceland because, probably. you know, who would have been doing that without Paul Simon's Graceland? I mean, it's just, it just had that, I think it's just had that kind of effect. And so that's the thing I appreciate about it. I think it's had this huge effect on music, but not enough people talk about it. Like there's not, you know, it's just it's just one of those albums that like it's just it's kind of sad to me that it's sort of flown like that with among our generation, it's flown under the radar. Like, yeah. like, I bet if you ask your parents about it, they'll know about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're aware of any kind of popular music, I know my mom knows like my mom didn't know anything about it. But then I can put on Call Me Al and she's like, oh, I love this song. Um, and like, which, by the way, Charlie, that's like his favorite song. It's like Yellow Submarine <laughs> and You Can Call Me Al. He wants so me to fun. play all the time. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I actually do have a memory of uh, uh, You Can Call Me Al. And it's, I don't know if it'll be funny to you, but it's funny whenever I think about it because it was in college. And um, remember we had those lip sync competitions? Yeah. Um, the theater kids did one and they chose Call Me Al. And like the. Cr- I really mean it when I say like the crowd went mild. <laughs> the crowd went mild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, everyone was doing all these pop songs and like nostalgic stuff. And then like the theater kids, the, the theater kids busted out. You can call me out. I just remember everyone was like, what is this? <laughs> and like, and they were, they were really into it. Cause they did what theater kids do best, which is like commit. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so that's they, great. Uh, I, yeah, I just remember uh, uh, those. Yeah, those kids really rocking out to it. Here's the thing that's going to happen, JP. Yeah, is the melodies are going to be stuck in your brain now, mm-hmm. and you're going to think that you're not going to listen to this album much anymore. <laughs> but it's slowly going to get a hold of you, and you're going to find yourself like, I'm really in the mood for, really in the mood for this. And then what's going to happen is, is you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit boy in the bubble and just go all the way through. Because that's what I do all the time. I'm just like, I try to pick out a sing, like one song to listen to every now and then. I'm like, nah, just boy in the bubble, and I just like just go all the way through like that, yeah. like that in Graceland. I've listened to like probably over a hundred times. Like I just, I love those songs. Oh, dude, that's funny. Do you listen to any other Paul Simon stuff? No. Really? Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to. explored his discography? Yeah, I haven't. And I probably should, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just, like, I love this album so much that I'm worried that everything else of his is going to be like a letdown to me. Hmm. Um, I mean, like, I've listened to Simon Garfunkel. Like, 
you know, and I and I like, you know, like a lot of those songs, but it's also like, oh my gosh, so boring. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, oh. I I really love Baby Driver though. You got to listen to that song; it's really cool. It's fun okay. to drive yeah. to. But like, I like like I mean like you know like Home and I like um, oh and um, Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard is a great song. That's yeah. a Paul Simon song. That's a great song. Yeah. Um, also, one of the best moments in the movie Rushmore. Is set to that song. Do you know how I was? I mean, not Rushmore. Ah, Royal Tenenbaums. Sorry. Uh, would you like to know how I was introduced to Paul Simon? Uh, did you meet him? No, I did not meet him. No. <laughs> uh, there was a movie that came on uh, the Disney Channel a lot uh, when I was a kid, and it was called uh, Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme. Yeah. And it was like the story. It was like, it was like all of like Mother Goose's stories. Mother Goose stories, like fairy tales or whatever. Uh, but they're all the all the characters were played by like popular musicians at the time, and Paul Simon was uh, the boy who stuck his thumb in a pie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. ZZ Top was there too. Uh, nice. Oh gosh, I need to like find YouTube clips of this movie because I I seriously have not watched it since I was a child. And it's oh, now like, I'm just remembering. Now I'm just remembering. There's an SNL thing where they kept breaking out. They kept bringing out Paul Simon for something. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, wasn't Paul Simon like a like like has he been on SNL for like a really long time? Like he's been showing up for a while or something. Yeah, like he's, he's like really close friends with Lauren Michaels. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Like and Chevy Chase, of course. And so like yeah, he's been on there for. But they they there was a sketch that's long ago. They kept bringing him out for something. I can't remember what it was. It was very funny though. Um, oh well, whatever. All right. Uh, well, we don't we don't have a. a well, we album. might. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bully Keelan and Pat and see what they say. But um, if they don't say anything, I think it's fair to say that next week we talk about Guardians. I think that's a good idea. I'm down for that. Because yeah, it's it's very musical. Yeah. Uh, homework and extra credit. Go see Guardians of the Galaxy right now. Right now. Yes. Right now. Right this very moment. Yes. Uh, see it in 3D. IMAX. Yes. Yes. Spend forty dollars. They're paying us to do it. Do it, say it. We are officially Marvel shows. Thank you for joining us, uh, Father Chuck. Thank you for being here. Uh, hopefully, Matt will join us next week. Um, everybody, have a great week and good journey. Good journey. A man walks down the street. He says, "Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon grave." Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight Far away my well-lit door Just a beer belly, beer belly Get these mutts away from me, you know I don't find this stuff amusing anymore If you'll be my bodyguard I can be your long-lost pal I can call you Betty Betty, when you call me A man walks down the street, he says, why am I short of attention, gotta...